my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm off my game today. No, you're not. That's true. People are going to have to start making better content. I think we're going to be talking about this for a long time. When you program for everyone, you program for no one. I think it's that we're a purpose-driven platform. Like, we're trying to get to substance. How was that? Are you happy with that? Yeah. This is marketing therapy right now. It it really is. (laughs) What's up? I'm Laura Carrenti. And I'm Alexa Kristen. Welcome back to Adlandia. We are in March. We're in March. March Madness. <laughs> March is coming in like a lion. So, march on to the topic of this episode. The content studio. The content studio. So, we have Otto Bell, who's the chief creative officer of Courageous, a Turner Media content studio. And they've been around for a couple of years and kind of burning things up. Yeah. So, in the spirit of it being our first creative-led episode, we are going to make this a podcast short and welcome Otto Bell to the show. Welcome to the show, Otto. Hello, Otto. Thank you, ladies. Nice to see you both. Yes, thank you. We are so happy you're here. We are very happy you're here. So I haven't seen you since we were both at Ogilvy. That's right. You were leading Ogilvy Entertainment. Mm -hmm. So tell Mm -hmm. us, now you're at Courageous. What was the path from agency into media company? Um, I I arrived at CNN because I had... um, You just like, sounds like you just went to the doors and you're like... (laughs) 
I'm here. <laughs> it was a little, it was it was a, it was a fun fun origin story. I don't know if you know this one, Laura, but it's um we haven't talked about it. So I got uh, really friendly with um Kat, uh, head of sales at CNN. Kat Kukach. Kat Kukach, that's right. And um, we became good friends over the years because I I was at, at, at Ogilvy. We were carving out all of these interesting deals with like BBC World News and CNBC and Times Now of India, all of these, these sort of multi-platform TV-led uh, deals uh, for content. And... Um, I was always trying to work with CNN um, with my then boss Doug Scott. We were trying to we were always trying to get something away at CNN, but they were so strict about their church and state. They just wouldn't do anything exotic in terms of hybrid deals or anything like that. So it got, but then uh, a couple of years later, um, Kat gave me a call and she said, "Oh, I want you to come in and let's chat about a marketing job." And uh, she introduced me to some of her colleagues, Mikel, and we got to talking, and it became clear pretty quickly that they needed help in in brand with branded content. Yeah. And by that time, Jeff Zucker had arrived, and and he had really um, he'd become a lot more um, thoughtful about about the network, about adding entertainment properties to the network that kind of broadened the definition of journalism. You know, stuff like Bourdain and mm-hmm. Lisa Ling and. W. Kamal Bell, and so the the company was ready to do to do more and to um, but in a, but obviously in a very careful way. So we struck on the idea of setting up a uh, a branded content studio. How many years ago was that? Two and a half, two and a half years ago. Yeah. So Done. right in the prime of everybody sort of rush, rushing. So there was to like T brand existed. Yeah, and- yeah. There was one or two. Um, but that's the thing. I mean, you swing a cat now in this town, you're going to hit somebody who's opening a content <laughs> studio, right? Right. We want to talk about that. Let's Let's go right there. Well, they're everywhere. I mean, we very, when we set up Courageous, um, we named it after Ted Turner's America's Cup winning yacht, actually. But it also speaks to the mindset um, that we want our clients to be in, right? We want them to be brave and bold and and, 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 and open minded and generally courageous. But the, but yeah, with everybody opening a a brand studio, I mean, the trick is you've got to really look very carefully at what sits behind that. It's very easy to hang a shingle, yeah. But to my experience, I mean, you guys probably know know better. But everything that I see, that seems to be a lot of hollow studios out there. So a lot of um, account handlers or, or folks who will kind of take your order, and then they'll turn around and they'll produce hi- something. Yeah, and they'll hire a, a a bunch of freelancers to actually execute the work. Yeah, or it's maybe a rebadged marketing department. Right, going by another name in a cool new corner of the office. We we built this. We built Courageous from the ground up. We took a very different, and that was part of the part of the deal when I joined. Is that we're going to need to do things a certain way. I had a lot of lot of scars and a lot of lessons um, from from Ogilvy, and, and wanted to build something quite quite deliberate and quite self sufficient. So we set out and we 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 hired a full-time team i think we're up to about 35 full-time staff now um well everybody makes and does so Mm. with it is a lot when you consider that everybody is either a cinematographer or a craft editor or a a filmmaker a director or a graphic designer or a web developer you don't have account people running around no that's handled by other parts of the business Mm. um 
which is great. So we just focus on actually making the stuff. What differentiates Courageous from everything else that, in the, that is in the market? What's sort of the elevator pitch um, when you walk in and are going up against um, bids for commercial spots to mm-hmm. full mm-hmm. live production uh, cinematography? Mm-hmm. W- what does that look like um, to you? Because there are skills, I think, that you have um, within the walls of Courageous um, that many folks don't. Yeah, thank you. I mean, in terms of differentiation, it, it is it's self-sufficiency. So it's that ability. I mean, we're doing things at at one fifth the cost of a of a creative agency or a, a glossy production company um, because we've taken the two biggest costs out of production. So we don't have day rates for freelancers, and we don't and, and we own our own gear. So so that is one big differentiator. But then we're also pretty <laughs> particular snobby is another word yeah. about the folks who we've brought on board because in a world where everybody wants good fast and affordable the good part the quality part can often suffer and um i, I deliberately tried to hire the same caliber of people that you'd find kicking around a cnn newsroom we have them courageous working in the dedicated way for brands so i'm talking about emmy and murrow winning filmmakers um i mean we've only been going just over a couple of years and i would hasten to say we're probably the most awarded brand studio of of, uh, in america this year already you know everything from the can lines to to um digiday naming us the, the best publisher for video so we are um we're very focused on the people that we bring in to make sure that they can um deliver it at a, at a at a high quality you know the the kind of commercial production standards which brands expect yeah right you know just cuz they're moving that's right they're, they're moving maybe from an ad uh, from an agency of record model to an ad more project by project basis they're not giving up that that um polish that they have spent years and billions of dollars honing yeah. you know like they still very they still, right. they still care uh, a great deal about that so you know we're very conscious of that and I, and I try to make sure that the work is um certainly looks looks good enough but then also the the big the big difference and we can talk more about agency versus publisher but we're just going to go that. there <laughs> <laughs> but i mean that that idea of of having a value exchange now now there's so you ask you know making commercials and that sort of stuff uh, our commercial will be a secondary output of what it is that we do you know i I'm not really in the business of making 30-second spots or trying to replace a traditional creative agency. Do you even want to make them? Does um, CNN, or does, sorry, does Turner want you to do it? Well, no, I mean, what we're seeing is a lot of clients asking for it. Mm. You know, they'll 30 start 30-second spot. Yeah, they'll, they'll, well, what, what happens is we'll start off making something two, three, maybe an event, something like that. They'll see it online or they'll see it on TV. You know, we have these pod takeovers right. where we'll, where, Native Plus, where we just run a piece of content instead of a bunch of 30s. They'll see it, they'll like it, and then they'll want to graduate it to a full campaign. So they'll want to take it off of our network and play it everywhere, you know, on the side of a building in Austin or in cinemas or um, around the Super Bowl. I mean, these are Um, all real examples. That's a good question. You said campaign, but then you were talking about a specific execution. I mean, are you seeing the work that you're doing informing larger kind of campaign or campaign strategy? I'm seeing them being picked up and used as a campaign. Okay. What's the best brief you've gotten? Um, The one that can change. (laughs) 
you know, and I mean that. <laughs> great answer. That's I mean, such a great <laughs> The one where I can do what I want. It's not even me. I and got, you still pay me. <laughs> I got far better people than, than mine. I'll give you an example. Um, video game company. Yeah. Uh, Square Enix. They... Um, they they do um, Hitman and, mm-hmm. and Lara Croft and stuff. They have another franchise, Deus Ex. Um, it's set like 15 years in the future and mankind is divided between people who have changed their bodies with technology and people who haven't. And it's like this war going on. Sounds like my kind of game. <laughs> it's, it's, it's She's great. the gamer I'm of the game. Yeah, I'm the gamer yeah. of the duo. So this is it's mankind true. divided. Deus Ex, mankind divided. So they came to us and they're looking to go beyond average gamers. Um, the, the the initial brief that came in was for like some homepage takeovers mm. the day the game released. Fuck, why? You know why? <laughs> because people don't even think about media right. So how can they go and brief you on something that they came in and they said, we want some because homepage, homepage takeover takeovers. equals impact. Well, yeah. I, I mean, and, a and gaming eyeballs, company you know. who's creating cinematic content yeah. that people interact with. Yeah. <laughs> what was it good about the brief was they listened. So, Guys You're are like, journalists, no takeover. Right? They they started to look at the brief, and because they're journalists, they can't help themselves. These are a lot of my my filmmakers. They've got these backgrounds. Are the, in, these are the people on your team. journalism. Yeah, and they start looking. They at give the brief. a fuck all. They're like, <laughs> whatever. They start scratching yeah. away at it, and they're like, well, you realize that this isn't science fiction like a lot of what your game deals with that's actually happening now now and they found you know the first cyber hate crime in france like six months earlier and and then the and then they, what they pointed out though in the case that we made back to the client is yet there is no bill on the floor of congress there's no one body who's thinking about this subject matter this is all you know the science is galloping ahead but nobody's nobody's tackling it in a thoughtful way so what we ended up doing was we ended up having a, the first um, summit on human augmentation, like the first conference for cyborgs in the history of the world. So we'll be back after this quick break. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. 
or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we're back in the studio with maybe our first creative on the show. Officially our first creative on the show. Otto Bell, Chief Creative Officer of Courageous. Yeah. Can you explain to our listeners... How do you push back or redirect the conversation? So you said you came to the table with insights. Yeah. You were looking at... Way uh, deeper context. Way yeah. deeper yeah. context. What what was that process like for your team to sort of pivot the client to get to, from a homepage takeover to a cyborg conference? <laughs> it's, I wish and I, I said there. that without even <laughs> You did. Laughing. You didn't even blink. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, um, it's the first word. That, well, there's a couple of things. There's um, a lot of communication. And then, yeah, backing it up with insights and, and research, you're not going to get past go without a counter argument. You know, a, a, a big meaty insight backed up with statistics um, and some kind of concrete research before you go on any kind of flight of fancy or creative meandering there. There has to be the counterpoint like we heard you on this, but did you know that X? Um, so they wanted to go beyond a, a hardcore gaming office, uh, audience, and, and we did that. You know, it's, it's public knowledge. We we boosted sales by fifty four percent on Amazon during the during the campaign. Like it, we we have real results on on how we affected the the numbers. 
you've got to have the client who's open to it. I mean, the amount of time that we'll spend, and you, we've worked together, you yeah. know, the amount of time we'll spend talking about things in pre-production yeah. saves you so much time later, right? The, my, one of my pet peeves with publishers is like, trust us. You know, hey, we've got this from here on out. Although I feel like yeah, you've yeah. said that to me many times. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, hopefully I've heard it. Yeah. That but, one just died on what, what I haven't done, right, is dumped something on your desk after two months of radio silence and said, like, hey, review this rough cut. And it's a million miles away from Anybody from who works with Alexa and I knows that we don't live in yeah. silence. Yeah, so. well, exactly. um, it's interesting. Alexa and I go back and forth a lot. And, and you were getting to this earlier on in the conversation around talent. Yeah. And the types of backgrounds or skill sets that you're pulling from. Yeah. What you were just describing would be research and strategy mm-hmm. in a way in, in which you're pulling from different departments. I know that you have Launchpad, for example, which is yep. a tremendous social insights tool that your yep. team uses to field editorial. Can you talk about some of the inputs and what the skill sets look like in this sort of modern version of content creation? Well, in my case, where I've sort of netted out is it's weighted in favor of folks with editorial backgrounds. Yeah. With a healthy mix of advertising professionals and then just a dash of data science. That would be the that would be the recipe that I'm cooking with. <laughs> so uh, those editorial guys, um, those people are, are, are worth their weight in gold. It's a hell of a lot easier to teach marketing to a journalist than it is to teach a marketer how to be a journalist. Like their instincts to kind of source report, yes. to get on the phone and track down a great story, and not stop until they've got to an underexplored angle or an interesting narrative hook like that that tenacity it has been a revelation for me coming from advertising um on top of that um it is good to have i don't f- think you talk about that enough by the way really yeah i, I think that okay. when you kind of go into maybe. these meetings you know for anybody who has a studio everybody talks about we have the pipes we have the scale we're sure. built into X, Y, and Z yeah. network, but actually coming at it, that's a point of differentiation in comparison to a creative agency. Yeah. Right? You're selling. This is a commercial, yeah. but this is a commercial company you've got. And and to that point, though, that's one of the promises that I make to the journalists who do come over and and work with me and concentrate on brands is, you know, you give me a, a few years of your time and I will in turn make you kind of fluent commercially fluent yeah right like i will teach you how to market and how to market yourself and how to which market in today's your business is is an essential it's absolutely crucial yeah, i mean if crucial. you've got a passion project or you, you want to extract money from somebody in order to realize your creative vision yeah chances are you're gonna have to walk into a room and present and and yeah. know how to lay out an argument and and explain to a financier or somebody who's commissioning right. your project why why you deserve it. I always thought it was fascinating that J school and business school were separate tracks. Yeah. Because at the end of the day there's really a need for at least the business school angle to live within journalism. It was interesting and you know the Oscars, so. Yeah, the Oscars right. this weekend, you know, Francis McDormand is saying finance our films. Yeah. yeah. You've got to go out. That's right. You need to go out, know how to sell your work. Absolutely. What is the difference between advertising and branded content anymore? Uh, or how are you actually are you putting a line in the sand do we need to anymore is that funny uh, there's that good 2001 wasn't it Seth Godin said content marketing is all the marketing that's left yes I you know I don't think we're there yet 
I think TV is still pretty powerful. I would say that though, wouldn't I? I work at CNN. Look, I think the idea of of a value exchange, yeah, but to me, that's always informed good marketing as well. That's right. So, I, you know, how much of this is new? Yeah. I don't know. Theoretically, not much. But in practice, in the articulation, in the expression of it, the we are definitely yeah. living in a different time than we were even five years ago. The output, when you think about the traditional 30 and 60, is focused on the brand. Correct. When you think yeah. about the output of branded content in the sense in which the three of us are talking about it, the value and the focus is on the consumer mm-hmm. and protecting that experience hopefully. and making it hopefully yeah. a symbiotic relationship in the context yeah. of what they are watching. Yep. And that to so me is the fundamental the difference. The, it's not a break yeah. in the content, it's additive to the content. It's, but it's also mm-hmm. about the yeah. context of the brand. The context of how a brand shows up is so important and probably more important now to brands than it ever has been before. For, right, yeah. and at the and I go back to trumping your values. Our first episode, just mm-hmm. so you know, Otto, you should listen to it if you haven't already. <laughs> um, we talk about brands and and expressing their core values. Right. I think that content gives the ability, good content gives the ability for brands to both express their core values in context of the consumer and the consumer actually to interact with the brand in their own context, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this two-way. Mm-hmm. And and I think what's really interesting as well is that in what you say, oh, brands expressing their core values, that lot that that scares a lot of people and like oh you you're expecting me as a brand to take a stand and to wade into these that is not no you don't have to be divisive in order to take a stand and that's one of the great misconceptions like what we did on New Year's Eve politics and purpose exactly and there's also a difference between taking a stand and having a perspective it's like having a pulse and being a corpse there I mean like (laughs) right (laughs) <laughs> I didn't hear either one or the other. <laughs> but there are plenty of moments out there, like uh, like New Year's, like sure. what um, I did. Uh, our first live ad was around the eclipse. Yeah, that and, was great. But what was nice about that is, all right, the country's in uproar, a lot of people taking sides. But on that day, everybody looking at the same moon, everybody mm. united in this fabulous moment. Same thing with New Year's. Show me somebody who's not hopeful for the new year on, on, on December you 31st. Right. You know, so there's plenty of... It's your Talk point. to them January 1st. Polit- that's a different purpose story. Purpose is a very <laughs> different thing to politics. Yeah. 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 At a upfront a couple years back, I remember Donna Special up on stage talking about Turner moving away from frequency in mm-hmm. the number of spots that they were putting in their primetime yep. programming and focusing on building longer pods to allow for this, narr- this longer narrative, which yep. you call Native yep. Plus within pro- uh, programs on TNT, TBS, et cetera. Yep. Interestingly enough, NBC came out just a few days ago and said, we are going to be moving to fewer of them yeah. to protect our programming as well. Yeah. Is there a trend to sort of protect the consumer experience? And does that change the difference between content versus commercial? Yeah, I think there's a lot of experimentation <laughs> happening and for good reason, right? You know, the the problem or one of the side effects of the rise in subscription models is that it accentuates the, the adverts that remain, the commercials that remain in your life when you have a, a newspaper subscription, when you have a Spotify sure. subscription, when you have Netflix subscription. All of these things, they exacerbate the commercials that are left. They feel even more painful. They feel even more interruptive. 
So yeah, so you're right. The, uh, the traditional broadcasters and cable nets, they are you are seeing them cut their their ad load. NBC is is 10%. You know, that's that's two cable promos a uh, sorry, two network promos per commercial break will 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 get them to that target. So I think honestly, I think they I don't know if that's enough. You know, we did 14 hours of commercial replacement last year which is where we put content like mine made by courageous into commercial pods uh, and and kicked out all those 30s and we did 14 hours of that so it's it's a what two- was the reaction for that some of them are holding the rating which as you know is yeah yeah is that's very that's impressive in- incredible yeah so um which yeah so more of that please but that takes <laughs> take you know turn around an oil tanker it takes time. Is there a future where brands start taking over and producing content themselves and may, maybe even more with an editorial lens? Like what to you is going to, one, sustain your business and grow it? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then what do you think, where are like some interesting pops or turns or swerves that you think may be coming in the industry? Well, it's already happening. I mean, you know, did you guys see the Lego movie? Yes, of course. Did you buy a ticket? We brought, I mean, we brought it, we've brought this yeah. up. Yeah. We brought this I mean, up. L- in the documentary space, you know, you had that. But not every brand is going to make a Lego movie, like a full feature film, right? Yeah, uh, agreed. But I think in the short term, there's going to be a reckoning quite. I agree. Quite honestly. Well, I I think, you know, a lot of these magazines with websites are in trouble. We know that, yeah. Because their, their brand studios, the cost of production is not commensurate with the ad revenue that it generates, right? Yep. They, they can't chuck. So you've got to, there is a certain point where you've got to have either an incredibly valuable audience or critical mass in terms of distribution to sustain these kind of custom content deals, yep. right? Like if, you know, if, so for some, what you're seeing is it's kind of like a death rattle of, uh, of print and, you know, Facebook's algorithm changes are only going to accelerate that yeah. right, as well. So I think in the short term, there'll be a reckoning. But long term, I think the future looks very bright for what we do. I think all the trade winds are, you know, pushing in our favor. And um, I think you will see more and more commercial replacement. I think you'll see more and more addressable um, custom content. Um, And uh, I think it'll be at the vanguard of a lot of these changes that we've been promised for so long. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, attribution models and and addressable, I think custom content will increasingly be bound up in those discussions uh, as the primary vehicle to get us to that nirvana that you know that future we've been promised for so long. Yeah. Do you see Courageous becoming the agency of record for blue chip brands? Um, yeah, yeah, I do. I certainly entertainment agency of record. Yeah, um, <laughs> but then I also think the AOR model is somewhat outdated you know I, I'm quite happy like look I mean I really pride ourselves on our annuities I, I think it's it's the way that you build a sustainable business I want Courageous to be around 20 years from now and I want people to look at it in the same way that they look at Ogilvy on a resume and they're like that place is a great that's quality yeah that's a great university for, for yeah, what that's you, right. we, you know that's yeah. a badge of yeah come on in the water's warm kind of thing but right now would you say that most brands are discovering you because they're coming in through the front door of CNN from a media perspective are people coming in from the side door looking the, for creative solutions no nah, the majority What's, is it's coming through the uh, uh, 
through the through the traditional media cells. Absolutely, I would say the yeah, the a slim majority. Is What's it going to take way. for that to become a standalone service? I'm not looking. I'm I'm fine servicing media deals at the moment. I I don't have a um a a big interest in a white label production operation. There are plenty of people. In fact. That's kind of a tough business and increasingly is and I think is going to see its own degree of contraction as well. I mean, I feel very good about the production model today. That said, this whole thing is changing. Like, look, yeah. if you don't if you don't like standing on a burning platform, you probably shouldn't be in marketing and advertising right now because yeah. it is changing day by day. But as of today, that works. You know, Do you see Courageous good. Inventing? I mean, you kind of said no to this, but I'm going to ask anyway. Do you yeah. see Courageous Inventing? Any new forms of media that are, um, you know, based on specific content or IP uniqueness? Yeah. I think one of the great um, revenue areas for us in the future is in some way or another... And we've had lots of conversations about it. We haven't we haven't landed on exactly how best to do this, but it is unignorable <laughs> the fact that we are generating so much IP on a daily basis. You know, I was in well, conversations is with like full stop CNN, yeah. Great Big Story. These guys are churning out stories, headlines, investigative stories, feature reports. Yeah, I mean, I was in a conversation recently with a, a competitor. Uh, from a, a development team on a cable company. And he goes, oh, yeah, my, my staff, my, he runs a development department. He goes, they love Great Big Story. He goes, they wake up every morning, and the first thing they do, they check out Great Big Story for ideas. I'm like, well... For ideas <laughs> for them. Exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think that we should be doing a better job of, of harnessing that. And we've got a lot of people who've got great commercial instincts. Mm. You know, that's what we do all day for our advertisers. So um, I think we should... Um, you know that that that's that's one potential area I think in which we can grow. Do you see a brand ever buying Courageous? Oh, I, <laughs> I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't know. I, again, let's see what happens to the landscape in the marketplace. Yeah. But um, no, right now I think it's it's um, it's settled nicely um, where it should be in, inside of Turner servicing. You know, working outwards. Yeah. yeah. So it's time. It's time. We're going to play our favorite game. Do you know this game? You don't know this game. She never told you? No, No. I didn't tell him. Otto's creative. He can come up with something on the spot. Yeah. So we play (laughs) our version of Kill, Fuck, Marry, which is called Kill by DIY. Kill by DIY. And it's what would you kill in the market? Uh Uh-huh. What would you buy? Uh Uh-huh. And what would you do yourself? So, Otto Bell, what would you kill? What would you kill? I would kill... um, Lazy PSAs. Oh, all right. I Can like that. Can you give that. us an example? Well, you know, you see a lot of them. Taxi TV is like a nest of bad <laughs> PSAs. You know, it's always like... Uh, or a brilliant revenue stream <laughs> strategy. Oh, yeah. No, don't get me wrong. The business model is fantastic. <laughs> I just mean the content. Like, you know, whenever you see... Uh, it's always a celeb holding a sign in front of like a white psych... And then, and you it's know, like written sign. Exactly. Like, yeah. And then they pray 20 of them out and that's supposed to have a real impact on you. I, I think there's just that whole industry can be so much more powerful. And um, they, I don't know, they just let themselves down sometimes. I would really want to improve the state of PSAs generally. I like that. <laughs> um, right. What was the next one? What would you buy? What would I buy? 
it would have to be some kind of proprietary technology because you know buying like a VR company or an influencer network I mean those are all things you can hire somebody to do that and you don't have to pay a premium so what tech like would change your life I've, embedded brain chips I think it's got to be something like that yeah it's got to be something <laughs> I feel you Otto it's got to be you know maybe something voice driven right now Some, but something anchor something really like something that is proprietary where you're not just buying the the three smart people who I don't know something like that something like some kind of next um, some kind of frightening delivery system right like so you're so black mirror like you really (laughs) want to be black mirror (laughs) and what would you do yourself something that you've seen in the market that you're like I could have done this better the auto bell way um Experiential. I, 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 we've we've dipped our toe into a few, you know, TED-like events. Not to why sh- is everything a TED-like not, event? Not by sh- the way, because it's the easiest shorthand. That's it's become right. Like the moniker for it. It's just it's just a way for people to. But even that, I think that format is ripe for overhaul as well. I just think blending. I think well, I think events are a really efficient way to harvest. Uh, a great deal of reusable content generally i think they're fantastic for that and you know in a day you can get eight hours of content which you can dice up and 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 put out into the world but the actual occasion itself properly scheduling that properly um curating it so that you've got everything from music to food to insightful human stories you know nobody's really I think we've all been to those conferences held by banks, held by management consultancies, held by ad agencies. Yeah. And they 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 they're not that interactive. They're not that varied. You know, it's a lot no, of panels boring. and keynotes. I'd love to see you, you know? guys do that at the upfront this year. Maybe that's a yeah, yeah, of an idea. Yeah. I want to. Was like, uh, yep. Mm-hmm. A little, little bit closer for that now. Maybe, maybe twenty nineteen. Maybe twenty nineteen. Yeah. Okay. Wait. One more question. Sorry. What thing, whether it's some kind of physical art piece, some audio thing, some band you're into, like, mm. what are you jamming on right now? I got, I got my new, um, new film project coming mm. out. We just got financing for that. Can't talk about the subject matter, but it's, um, it's, it's gonna be a. Uh, it's going to be a doozy. It's going to be a hell of a film. So I'm very excited about that. And and it, you know, I'm, I'm is that a full feature film? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what we're going for: cinematic uh, feature documentary. All right, Otto Bell. <laughs> Always if, a pleasure. If people want to get you. a hold of you, how do they do it? Uh, Otto dot Bell at Turner dot com. Thank you, Otto. Thank Great you for visiting you again. Bye now. I don't think I've seen Otto for a few years now, so it was nice for me to see Otto. You've been working with him. Yeah, he's he's tremendous, and it's really fun to watch them sort of differentiate themselves in the market, and which is a very competitive space right now. Super competitive. And I liked, actually, I liked his honest answer. Everyone says this part of it. Everyone says, like, okay, we all know there's a little bit of a doomsday coming for, like, content studios and, right. and branded content in media companies. Right. And he said that. But what I liked was a very honest response of like, this is a tough game, right? right. And so I'm going to get the best people and I'm very comfortable being a part of the media company that I have. And right now, right. Yeah, I'm good with that. Right. He wasn't looking to white label his solution. He wasn't looking to spin off and become 
a standalone creative shop. He was very comfortable playing in the space, knowing what a network like Turner brings to the space. And that's quality content, that's global pipes, that's differentiated you know, IP in the market. Um, and it's interesting. I think that they're just getting started. And I'm really excited to see where they head next. One thing that I think that Turner has that a lot of people don't have, a lot of media companies don't have, is the ability to be live anywhere kind of in a minute, in a second. 24-7. Yeah. And you guys prove that out with some of the, you know, it took work right? But and, and pre-planning. But you prove that out with a live ad you guys did with Mass Mutual. I would love to see programming where brands come in and actually do programming with them like that. But it's it's commercial. And I think people would watch it if it was great programming. Totally. The biggest takeaway I took was um, the idea of interspersing journalists and people with strict editorial backgrounds in the branded content space. And that's something I'll take away and start thinking about how we incorporate that in the agency model because it's not a skill set I think many people are looking for. 100%. And, I, and I, until he said it, I didn't really kind of connect the dots around the rigor and fact-checking and um, looking for what he said a different way in and, and an That's angle that hasn't been explored. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that has been um, unmerchandised as when it comes to branded studios I also or think, content studios. I think that like to that point and one of the big things on the marketer side that like boggles my mind is like do we actually expect our creatives whether it's at a branded studio or a content studio an agency a media company to actually give us really rich and phenomenal stories right, right? and content and ideas when we're doing it in a fucking one page brief. Amen, sister. All right. So with, with that, that <laughs> thank you, Cameron Drews. Are all our friends and family at Panoply, Matt Turk, Andy Bowers, Jacob Weisberg. We will be back in two weeks after South by coming back at you, Atlantia. See you out there, y'all. Full disclosure, our opinions are our own. Who do you think outside of Courageous, because you, of course, are going to say Courageous, like, who do you think is actually producing the best content? Oh, the Brand Studios? Well, yeah, or just in or general. Or just in general. Oh, just in general? I mean, you're going to say, like, the BBC, because you're British. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, what am I enjoying right now? I, I think the New York Times do a great job. Um, you know, uh, I think... Um, I think Anonymous is the kind of company that Anonymous and what Patrick Millingsmith is doing with Smuggler, those are a couple of companies that I, you know, that I would aspire to 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 emulate with Courageous. Those are like, but those are like production companies, right? Yeah, well, they, well, they're diversified. I mean, they the, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like like they, they have a bedrock of a commercial business. Radical's another great example of this. Yeah. Um, they got a bedrock of commercial business, which does very well, world-class work. But then you look at them and they're diversifying. And, and they have been for a long time. And diversified into like editorial TV, and entertainment. Broadway, yeah, features. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Anonymous, you got an Oscar-winning studio. Yeah. Um, you know, Patrick's got VR and, and, and Broadway going very nicely. Radical are obviously, you know, they must be one of the top five producers for Netflix at this point. Like, um, there are great opportunities and I think my point is this, like, I, I would like to grow a business where it is totally format agnostic. Yes. Right. Like where 
the medium or the story dictates the medium and the channel. We're getting there. One of the nice things about being at CNN is I can play this game a little bit. I've got two TV stations. I've got an international network. We've got the airport network. We've got a Snapchat channel. We've got VOD. We've got OTT. We've got biggest social handle in news. What that equates to is a channel agnostic sort of approach whereby you tell me your problem as a brand as a channel or a challenge right exactly channel. and i'll build yeah. you an event or i'll build you a tv show or i'll build you a short form film series or i'll put all of those things together working in concert yeah so i'd love to get to that um you know even outside the commercial realm yeah um frictionless that, that marketing be, yeah and self-financing marketing as self-financing well self-financing is that, really that's interesting. that's the that's the utopia you know um, I've done it a couple of times in my career. Literally, I can count them on one hand. But It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.